Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Inner Entrepreneur. In today's episode, Paul and I will be discussing the redirect. This is step three in our process to address burnout for entrepreneurs. The redirect is effectively taking energy that was being used in bad habits and negative cycles and things that were contributing to your burnout and redirecting it into a new path forward. We dive in depth on how to identify the new path, steps we can take to get us in the right direction, and traps to consider along the way. So let's get into it. Welcome to The Inner Entrepreneur, a place where soul meets strategy and passion meets profit. Success in business is about more than mastering the external. It's an internal game. Ready to play? Hello and welcome everyone. Paul, welcome back, sir. Welcome back. Good morning to North Carolina. Yeah, that's right. Good old North Carolina here. I guess it's afternoon for you, eh? It's mid-afternoon here in Ireland, yes. But Very a lovely nice. afternoon, so it's all good. So, Paul, we're episode five on burnout. Five, I think so. Yeah, who's Yeah, coming? we've gone over so far the stages or phases of burnout. That was the first component of what we did. So you can kind of gauge your level of burnout. And, and then the last couple of episodes have been focusing on what we can do to adjust and to, to, to attack kind of our burnout or, or address our burnout. And so the, the last couple of episodes, we focused on awareness, which is becoming aware of, of our burnout state. And then what we talked about last episode was decompression. How do we, what do we do once we become aware? How do we start to decompress ourselves so that we can start to make some changes? Today, we're going to be talking about the redirect as step number three in our how to address burnout component here, which this, I think this is going to be an interesting piece. So initially we'll do a high level piece to talk about some values and then we'll, we'll dive in from there. If that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, the, when we spoke about the decompress last week, I mean, it's re first thing is we spoke about the process of all the things you can do to de decompress. And by the way, we just spoke in nature and being nature in being in nature is one of those things exercising in nature, meditation, yoga, getting away, spending some time thinking and writing, just giving yourself space, which I suppose is what nature represents, but giving yourself space to come down off the high, the unpleasant high you've been on to really. Um, and we also gave examples of, cause I spoke, uh, I spoke about how I had used decompression to the tools I'd use to get myself in a new direction. And I spoke to a story of my friend of mine who didn't survive it because tools he used, which were, was, which was a bottle of whiskey at the time and how use the wrong tools to decompress yourself. You get the decompression, but you wake up in a worse situation and then you're, you're compounding in that and, and, and it's awful. I think the thing about it is that once you've moved to the, well, the first thing sorry, I want to add before decompression stage, cause this is important. We're not talking about decompression as a, as a, as a process you're going through. It is a process, but then it's a, it's a maintenance. So it, 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 when you find the tools of decompression to keep you in, in a calmer state, when you find what works, the key is to create a lifestyle. It, it, it's like going on a diet. You can go on a crash diet and you can lose X amount of kilos, but if you don't maintain a healthy lifestyle from a point of view of what you're consuming, you're going to put the weight back on. So I think it's the same in this, when you're in a crisis situation, you're doing the crash diet, you're, you're going, I mean, we suggest your decompression, get in your car, go away, be gone for 24 hours or a couple of days, get away and decompress. But if you return back into the same situation, then the same problems will re will, re will reoccur. So there's two important things. One is that out of what you learn from going through the decompression, you go, oh, this is what works for me. So for me, I mean, I'm a lifelong meditator, but for me, it was, oh, well, I need to make sure I meditate all of the time because that really, that really rescues me if I have challenges. I spoke about, I said, the two things that saved me was one is the meditation, but the other thing was, was writing, was journaling and was putting my thoughts on paper, which is really, really useful. So when each of us finds those things that work really well for us, we got to be doing those things on a maintenance level. Think of it, think of it like a, fit, a fitness program. So I think that, that it's just important to say that it's not something you tick the box, you do it, you go, now this is my lifestyle. That my lifestyle now includes certain practices 
that become part of what I do every day. I have them, I'm sure you have them. And this is what keeps me on top. And then when I feel a little bit under pressure, I need to pull up the lever a little bit, maybe do some more, but, but I'm at a maintenance level. Um, and we finished talking about the importance of getting stuff on paper and getting in uh, on paper, a personal vision, a plan and taking action and being consistent with that action. That's kind of where we brought the end of the last episode, because as we come out of the decompression, it's what's next. It's what are we moving towards? And what we both know very, very well is that unless something changes, nothing changes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to some degree, I want to say our personality changes, but unless, what is our personality? It's, it's what we believe, it's what we think, and it's how we behave. And then we do that repeatedly. It becomes familiar to us. It becomes familiar to everyone around us. And, and we call it our personality. So unless those chain of events, what we believe about ourselves, our predominant thinking, our predominant behavior, unless these things change, uh, nothing is going to change you're going to end up back in the same situation. This is why New Year's resolutions don't work because in a moment you go, I want to do this. You don't fundamentally change, change the person and therefore the, your personality reemerges and you get back to doing what you're doing. So it's really important. I mean, the purpose of this podcast, as we've said before, it's a journey, it's an exploration. It's not a quick fix. It's not for someone to listen to this and go, oh, I know to fix this. It's the someone to enter on a personal journey and grow and develop out of that. And, and, and this is why we positioned this as step three of the redirect and you called it the pivot, but I think it's, which is a great word for it. So you're now in a position, you go, I need to pivot. I need to change my direction and I need to start move. I, I need to start moving somewhere else. And I, I told my, my firewalk story, I've mentioned it a couple of times as being a massive moment for me. And then the following day in the chair, doing those exercises where I, be, I, I got to see the man I would be at 70, if I continued on this path and the man I would be in 70, if I continued on that path. And in that moment, I chose a different path. And that's where the, so, so the redirect in my mo mind comes from sitting in that chair in the Excel center in London with 10,000 people sitting around me, each in their own personal misery or joy or whatever was going on for them. Um, and in that moment, me going, there's two roads ahead of me. And in this chair, I get to choose. And that's what the redirect is about. The redirect is the new, is the fundamental new choice you make. And the choice, I think, is the choice in the path I take because of where I'm going, but it's the choice of who am I becoming? Who do I need to be? Because I saw two different men, both possibles in my future, and I had to choose who to, which guy that I want to be. But in, inherent in that choice is what decisions does this what guy make, this future me make? What choices does this future who is he? Cause they're two different people. So in that moment, I chose to become someone different and that was the redirection and I stepped onto a different path. The, and it's interesting, Paul, to me, because when you look at a redirect or a pivot, as we, we were talking about it too, like it's, it's taking a lot of that energy that was driving us towards often a destructive path yeah, and, and putting us into a place of obviously a more ideal path. So the, the power of the pivot or the redirect is also that you're kind of slingshotting a lot of that energy that was focused in many ways towards becoming the person that you don't want to be. Yeah. When you're able to pull back and decompress some of that, you can now switch that energy and kind of slingshot it into ideally a little bit like the direction you want to go that's more aligned with who you are. The power of, of the redirect though comes because we're looking at the redirect from a values perspective, yeah. this, this framework, right? So I think the interesting thing is, is it, it, this doesn't happen overnight, but what we're doing is looking at a framework that's resetting our values to the life that we want to live. So I think that's the piece here is, is you can use all that kind of destructive, stagnant energy and redirect it into the new path you're walking, but getting clear on what that new path is and understanding what the, like 
all the components of it are what we're going to talk about today, Paul, right? And kind of layering that in a bit. So when you talk about the slingshot, I think there's two things going on there. One is you're being pulled towards something. So I had two visions, if you want to call them. I had 70-year-old Paul living a life that I described as miserable, horrible, faded, dark old man. I didn't want to be there. And then the version of Paul I wanted to become. So I had a, so I was being pulled towards that and I was being pushed away from this. I mean, I didn't want to go there. If I'm being completely honest, a 70, 80% of my momentum came from not wanting to be mm, the negative, like the rejection the of the old. Yep. Yes. Which I think that's the power, isn't it? That can, that, that can, is the power. I can sling you forward. Exactly. That's you bec because I suppose maybe we're all inherently lazy and maybe we all inherently choose the easy path in life. Mm. And so when I was looking at a, a future that seemed very, very attractive, well, that was nice. But what really shifted me, what really got me off my ass was this is horrible. This is too painful. I mean, if, if I live this life, my life is wasted. And so that, mm. well, that was the pivot. So to some degree, as we've been talking about through this whole burnout series, on one side of it, it seems like a terrible thing to, for someone to go through. And the purpose of this is, is for people to sidestep it to some degree or, or, or to get through a lot easier. But people won't relate to this part of the podcast if they, to some degree, haven't touched on or experienced that level of overwhelm. Or, uh, they, won't, they won't relate to it. But I suppose what we're seeing is that there's actually a huge opportunity in that. Because if you have tasted the burnout and you've tasted the overwhelm and you know how miserable that is, that's a great motivator for like you've generated so much pain. That's a great motivator to send you down a different road. Cause that's what I'm that that's certainly what sent me down the different road. It was the pain. I had some difficult things to address and difficult things to fix, to get onto the other path. But when I left uh, London that weekend and came home, there, were, I, there was no going back. I'd burnt the bridges. I mean, I was not going to become that guy. And I really didn't care too much what was standing in my way because mm -hmm. whatever was, and there were some big challenges, but whatever those challenges were standing in my way, they were not as awful as living this guy's life. So that was a huge, that, that was the huge motivation for me to redirect. And I think so it's very useful for people as they're at the redirect phase to, to connect with the pain they, they felt or the road they were going down to go, I don't want to be that guy. S suffering is a great motivator, isn't it? I, I've, I've shared that too, Paul. That's it's yeah. like the, we're, when things are cushy and good, we're often not motivated for change. But when things are miserable, we're suffering, there's pain, then motivation for change can be very high. To your point, leveraging all that suffering can be the, the slingshot component that I was describing. That can be the thing that propels you at least to envision that new path. It's not, it doesn't happen overnight, right? You still got to do all the work that, that allows that vision that you've seen to come to life. But at least it's, it's, you're choosing that path. You're saying, I'm done with the old destructive way. This is the life I want to live. But now it's like getting to work on living that life. And I think that's a lot of what we're going to talk about with the redirect is, okay, now what? What, what do we do now? And I think the, the fundamental pl place to start, well, it certainly was for me, are what are my values? Values is such a, a widely used word that, when I Google it and research it, I almost n never read what my, what, what my intention is when I, when I say values. So when I say values, I don't mean, you know, peace, integrity, love, all these things that we consider as values. That's not really, they're global values. And there is, we all can have those. When I use the word value, and most of this I learned from John D. Martini, who is the master of this. I've studied this with him. And so when I use the, so inspired by him, when I use the word values, 
of what I mean is your highest personal priorities. So in some case, I would call them your highest personal priorities and values. They're the same thing to me, but just for clarification for people. So when I say what, when I talk about what my values are, and I will say to people, that's four or six values. Um, and what I'm saying to you is that there are a small handful of things and they are what my life is entirely about. They're inherent to me. It, 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 I haven't, I haven't gone and got and chosen. I want these values. When I connect inside, I find that there are a small number of things that are hugely important, important to me. The real moment that dropped for me was many years ago when I first really began to understood this and I did a training course with uh, John Martini, and uh, he's a great process for revealing your values. So I did, a, did the weekend room here in Dublin and identified all my values and that was great. Baldo went away, you leave the course. I learned a massive amount from this course. I, 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 I got to understand my values, but it wasn't entirely, it didn't really land with me. So several years later, I did some training with him again. And uh, again, did the same process because he, he, he's gone. Values are, are the basis of everything. He will always talk about values. So do the values training again. And then maybe six or 12 months later, I'm sitting up in our den at one stage and, and I pull something to read and I open this, this workbook from the course and I see my values and I go, oh yeah, they, they are really important to me. And then I have the memory of, X number of years earlier, also doing a different workshop with them, but doing value. So I grabbed both workbooks and I realized that I had listed down the same four values in each. And that was the aha moment for me. The aha moment was these things fundamentally have driven my life probably for the past 30 years. They fundamentally drive everything in my life and they're mine. I know them, but I'm unaware that they fundamentally drive everything I do, everything, every decision I make. And therefore I'm running blind. And once I became aware of these and I wrote them down and they're in my planner, I review them all the time. Once I become aware of these, now I, now I have a roadmap and I have a roadmap for everything I do. So values is a huge topic and I, I think we probably will do a few a future podcast on exactly how you can use the values and how you can reveal the values yourself and how you can, there's a whole conversation and work to be done there and the importance of, but the importance of them in relation to the redirect is that if you don't get clear on what really matters to you, you'll head off in the wrong direction. So that's, that's the fundamental point. Because you're, because if you don't do it intentionally, you're losing that slingshot component that we've been talking about and you're driving it towards the things that you don't actually want. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. So that's why this is so important, right? Th 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 that's what, that's why this is so important. I, I bring it down as simply to people as sitting down with a pen and paper and go, what really matters to me? I mean, what really matters to me? Sometimes this is something you have to do over and over again because when you start thinking about what really matters to you, if you are in your mid thirties or whatever age you are, and you've spent a life with other people telling you what should really matter to you, your parents, your peers, your spouse, your colleagues, you know, religion, your society, culture, whatever, you have all these voices telling you what should matter to you. And so. I, I believe it's one of the reasons why so many people are unhappy or unfocused is because they've grown up listening to what the world is telling them they should be like, and they've adopted that and they've actually forgotten or they're not listening to a voice inside themselves that's telling them what really, what, re, what really matters. But in do, I, I, it's a really important starting point because if you start with a sheet of paper and go, well, what? really matters to me, what's really, really, really important to me, then I think you will come up with a small list of things, four or five things you go, actually, this is all that matters to me. There's nothing else in my life outside of this. And so just to clarify that po point, people go, well, no, there's lots and lots of things that matters to me. I mean, my wife, husband matters to me, my partner, my son, my daughter, my parents. I go, 
but that's all family. That's all social connection. So what you're saying within that is that one thing that matters to me is my family and my close friends. So that's, there may be, you know, there may be a dozen people within that that are really important to you, but that's one thing, but that's one thing that really matters to you. The interesting thing for me was that, and maybe explains my burnout, when I went through my values, my fourth value was wealth. And that was taking care of, taking care of wealth and generating wealth. Now, a subheading of that will be business because that's how I make money. And if I'm not doing something to, so the business becomes important to me. But the really interesting thing, a few interesting things in that, one was that it was number four on my values. And, and it said that anything that's within your top four values, you are internally compelled to do, be, and achieve for fulfillment. So what that means is there's no one, no one has to ring me up and go, Paul, you're taking care of today. You're growing your wealth and you're developing your income. Because it's, it's fundamentally internally driven. It's the same with any of your important values once, the, once you're in the top four, but that's really, really interesting. It's interesting that it's number four and it's not number one because family is number one for me. When, when, for most people, they go, well, isn't family number one for everyone? And I go, well, no, it's not number one for everyone because certainly there are a lot of people who are driven by success and they do it at the cost of mm -hmm. the of the family. They spend, you know, 12, 14 hours a day at their desk driving their business. And they're not taking care. I mean, they, that's how they consider it taking care of the family, but they're not spending time with their family. If their family was a higher value, they would be spending time, time with the family. This is not for a moment to say that anything is wrong or right. I'm not saying family should be a top priority. I'm saying it's mine. I'm not saying it should be anyone else's. What I'm saying is that it's really important to, un really important to understand this. So for example, if you give me a massive opportunity tomorrow and go, Paul, this is going to, I know, you know, business, wealth, investments, all important to you. This is a massive opportunity, but you need to go to live in Dubai for the next 18 months. And, but look, it's no problem. You're going to back to see your family, you know, once, twice a year. I mean, I'm going to immediately say no to that because, yep. but someone who, but someone who has business or wealth or whatever at the top of the list can probably do that and go, well, family are important to me, but they're down number two, three or four. So I think, I think it's really important then as you, that you get clear on these things. So for me now, any, any decision I make on anything, once it became clear of that, and I wrote them down, wrote the values down and that, and I look back at them regularly to go. Is that right for me? Does that still, that still makes sense. Often, particularly from a plane journey or something, I'll take a blank sheet of paper and I'll go, what's, I'll put in the box and I'll go, what really matters to me? It always come back to the same things, but it means I'm always reaffirming, reaffirming. I'm always clarifying in my own mind. And I'm always open to the possibility that something may shift in that. But for me, it's, a, it's something I'm revealing. It's not something I'm, dictating. I'm looking inside and go, what does my life demonstrate is really important, is really important to me. I may give you an example a while back of uh, a course I did recently where it was on for four weeks. It was in the US and so it was running at 2 a.m. in the morning and I was going to bed and setting an alarm for 10 to two in the morning, getting out of bed and coming to do the course. And my wife is going, are you crazy? What's this about? And she's going, you don't need to, you don't need to work. You don't need to get out of bed and do this. Why would you do this? But I was so driven to do it because it was important to me. And that's, and that's when you beget to understand what values are when something, when, I mean, when something's that important to you that you'll get out of bed at 2 a.m. in the morning because it's what you, because it's what you want to do. So when people can find that level of understanding of what's important to them, I think they know they're on the right road. And I think that's really important, Paul. I'm glad we're talking about this and I'm, we're definitely going to do a future episode on the specifics of value and really diving into this. Cause I think it matters a lot 
it would be helpful, I think, if you shared, because I believe you shared on a past episode, but what are what are the kind of the four, your four big four? Because you have four to six values, but then we're going to get into the seven areas of life that I think we all have to pay attention yeah. to. That That's really what, this episode's really building around these kind of seven areas of life. It, to me, from what we're talking about as well, you can define in many ways, your values may come out of these seven areas of life, like the way you prioritize them. But yeah. le- if you could, let's let's talk first about your four, and then we can dive into the seven areas if that if that feels right to you. Yeah, for me, for me, when I began to explore this, I realized that probably I, I'm looking back over the past twenty years, maybe longer, so maybe twenty five, thirty years, that. The most important thing to me in my life was my family. So I'm married of four adult sons now, but for all of those decades, the most important thing to me in my life was my family. The second most important thing to me in life is my well-being. And my well-being, what comes under well-being is my spiritual, mental, emotional, physical well-being. So that means I'm always taking care of So that's why... I'm going to say obsessive, but I'm a lifelong meditator. And so I'm always, because that to me fundamentally takes care of certainly my mental and emotional well-being. And I keep, I I keep very fit. I was up on my bike for an hour this morning. I'm heading to the gym after this. So those things are very important. Again, how do you know they're strong in my values? Because no one had to beat me to get me on my bike at 8 a.m. this morning. No one has to beat me to get me to the gym after the session. They are just things I'm compelled to do and I've consistently done them throughout my, throughout my life. My, so they're my top two, two, two values, my family and, and you might call it my personal well-being. My third value is growth. And so I am an obsessive learner. I, I'm sure you are too, Brandon. That's why we, mm. we enjoy these chats and we do this. I'm an obsessive learner. So all of, all of my life, I have just been learning. But I obsess about the things that are really, really important to me. But I'm listening to, I'm reading books. I'm listening to, to podcasts, watching stuff on YouTube. I, I've done so much training over the years, so many courses. I'm always traveling, signing up to something else. And why is that? It's because I'm obsessed also, because I'm obsessed about it and it's something that I'm hugely driven. And I think in last week's episode, I referred to when I was in Austin, Texas, studying business with Keith Cunningham and he, and he gave an example of driving to the airport at 5 a.m. and said, you know, the guy who you see at training at 5 a.m. in the morning is the guy who doesn't need to be training at 5 a.m. in the morning. And the one who does need to be training is still in bed fast asleep. But, when, but it's that level of push and it's that, that level of drive it's very similar to my wife saying to me, why are you getting out of bed at 2 a.m. in the morning to do, to do this course? Because you don't, need to do, you don't need to do this. You don't need to find another source of income. You don't need to. Why are you doing all these things? Because, it's, because learning education is so important to me that it's something I'm just pulled to every, every single day. I sat on my bike for an hour this morning and I listened, and I listened to a podcast on uh, health and well-being. When you get to do two of your values together, now you're in a really activity you're going to love. And four for me is, is wealth. You can, you can go deeper into some of these and go, well, what's really important to you about wealth, Paul? And why have I always, again, I have obsessed with since I was probably in my late teens, but why? Because on the other side, you might go, well, how important is money to me? What's important to me is freedom. So I, I list the value as wealth because in this world, if I, ha- if I don't have any money, then I'm not standing here talking to you because I got to go work and I, I don't live in this home. I don't to do all the things I love to do. So wealth is closely linked to freedom, but it's really, 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 really important to me. Now I also love, so I call them my four core values. I add two onto the back of that. And that is, I love music. I listen to and I play music every every day and i loved and i love to travel but they are less they are less important than the others but i certainly travel a lot and i enjoy that i travel mostly when i was younger i traveled with with, with our family and so that that supports value number one now i tend to travel mostly with, with my wife you go nice places that's good for your 
your well be- your well-being, you get to experience and learn. So you begin to see you're creating a life around around all of these values. So they become to me they become. Uh, um, I used to call them value mapping, and the reason it's important is because when you understand that, and you have, I go well. These are the four to six things that are really important to me, and at this point in time, almost nothing outside of that is important to me. And very very simply, in this world of information, there are a million things you and I can give our attention to, and that a million things. And if that's how you want to spend your life, but well, go ahead. And that's how most people spend their lives. They go into Instagram, they go into Twitter, they go into Netflix, it, they listen to the news. So they're giving themselves to the world and going, Enter- entertain me. You decide what matters to me and all this information. And that doesn't leave, I, it doesn't leave to a very productive life. And it doesn't leave to a life I think that's particularly good for your mental health. Um, so what I've chosen to do is go, there's a million things in the world and, you know, most of them I'm not interested. I'm interested in four, in four six, six things. I'm interested in spending time with my family. I'm interested in anything that comes under the topic of well-being, which means if you go to my bookshelf, you'll find meditation, you'll find spirituality, you'll find mental health, but you'll find physical health. You'll find, I mean, I study longevity. I listen to all the podcasts, Peter Atiyah, all of these sort of guys are talking about well-being. I'm not closed off to new information. I'm obsessing, but I'm obsessing in a in a particular zone. That's my third one, which is a study all the time. And again, if you look on my shelf, you'll see books and investments and wealth and very successful people. So I know these things are massively important to me. It's the first thing. I know at this stage of my life that no one else has said to me they should be important to me. They are important. They are important to me. Thankfully, I feel like I'm in good health now, and I feel like I'm good level of fitness. So you might say, so you don't need to work as hard on that, but I do because of my, because of my nature. Thankfully, I'm financially independent now. So you might go, well, you don't need to work on that, but I do because it's because it's my nature. So for me, following values for me is just following my nature. But now when I have that map, now when I have that map, any opportunity that comes to me, I, I look at it and I compare it to my map and I go, well, if I pursue this, Will I be able to get to do these four things? And if the answer is no, you might put up with it for, for, for a couple of weeks. But if the answer is if I'm going to commit to something long-term and it doesn't support my values, I have zero chance of being successful. A number of years ago, I got involved in a very, very big project, maybe seven years ago, I can't remember. I wasn't as clear on this point at that stage. And it didn't work out, put a lot of money into it, a lot of time, but it didn't work out. When I look back, I realized that if I'd had the charge of going, how will this impact on the things that are really important to you? I would have realized it's really not supporting any of those. It's maybe helping the wealth part, but that's number four. But it's going to impinge on all of the top three. I would have realized that I wouldn't have had had the time. I wouldn't have had the interest to really pursue it if I was being honest with myself. So now any opportunity comes up, and if I look at the sort of stuff stuff I'm doing now, which is podcasts, creating content on Twitter, all the sort of things I'm engaged in now, when I began to immerse myself in those, which is probably a year or so ago, I had the time to do it. And I sat back and said, well, if I immerse myself in this world, how will it, when I filter through these, these, these four values, does it support those values? Does it allow me? allow me time to spend time on these things. And I realized that it supported all of those four values. And they engaging in this supports all of these four values. And then I go, okay, so I have a really, I'd like to have been very successful doing this because I have a massive internal driver. So we've talked a lot about values and we said we wouldn't into great detail, but what I'm trying to communicate to people is when you understand what these are, if you're redirected, is not in alignment with these core values or these higher personal priorities, your chances of success are low. So you really need to be understanding what your prior- priorities are. Did that make sense? Yeah, and I love it because it's it's all driven from within. I think you're the, a big part of this, Paul, is really when I think about these values, these core values, is it's our true north of our authentic self. Yes. That it, 
And you're, the point of it, the power of it is, is what you were describing is when we have these big decisions and really even small decisions, yeah. we, we put every, all of them go against those core values. And if we don't know what those core values are, then we're living true to somebody else's core values because we all have core values. We have Whether it. we've decided them or not, just like your example around you entertainment. Have, yeah. Exactly. You may have not decided that that, but ultimately you could be living your top value is entertainment based on the fact yes. that you're following what the world has given you. Yes. So, so that's why understanding what our core values are, whatever they may be, there's not a right and wrong answer here to your point earlier. If wealth is your number one, that's totally fine. The key thing is to be honest and open about it, right? Without that, you're, cause otherwise you're, you're, the chance of it sticking and lasting won't hold through because succeeding in life is incredibly challenging and difficult, takes time, persistence, all of this without dedication, which is where alignment of our values comes from. To your point earlier, you, you, the probability of succeeding is very, very low. So it's our true north to what we're operating from. So we're going to have an, another episode about that, really going deep in that. But yeah. that's enough meat to where you can start to think about the things. Even, and to your point, Paul, I think if you're unaware of this, if you start to reflect on your life, the decisions that you've made over time, the things that are really important to you, they will start to surface. You will start to see those components, right? And they start to make sense. And you'll start to see what has worked for you in your life. Oh, that's supported my values. And what hasn't worked for you in your life. Oh, it's probably gone contrary to my values. And one of the things you mentioned there about wealth being, being a value. And I, I certainly, I've come up across this over the years because if I go back Ireland 30 years ago, it was a much, much poorer country and most people didn't have, didn't have a lot. So I didn't have a lot either, but if wealth is high in your values there, then, and you talk about and behave in a way, your language, et cetera, is about growing your wealth and not accepting the poverty, the scarcity mentality that you're surrounded with, you will be challenged by, by, by people because they'll give you all the reasons why wealthy people are wrong and why they should give all the money to charity and why you only get wealthy by being dishonest and abusing people, all these sort of mm -hmm. reasons. So you will, whenever your values are, you will get challenged. My solution to that was just stop talking about it to people living, <laughs> living, living my life. But a lot of people, what they'll do is they will then suppress their values because someone else, so they start adopting someone else's values. So this is why I say they're inherent. And so someone goes, oh, Paul, you know, you're obsessed about being wealthy and, you know, you should be more obsessed about being kind or generous of all these things. And my answer is, that's my nature. So if we're all on this planet to, for a unique purpose and we all have different natures. So I think sometimes it can be just hard for people to accept that that's, that that's their nature. But I think it, 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 is, it is your nature. So if someone is on a redirect path, they entered into burnout and overwhelm because I'm not saying they weren't pursuing the values. They may well have been pursuing the values. Because when I was in Bruno, I was pursuing one of my values. Absolutely. I was pursuing wealth, mm -hmm. um, but I was doing it. I was doing it unaware of the fact that it was one of four values. Now you can go back and you can go, yeah, but you were supporting your family and it's so, there's a lot of reasons why I worked so hard. So I drove, why I drove so hard to build the business, uh, but ultimately it was out of balance. And that's where we come to the seven areas of life. Because I think one of the ways people step off the wrong road is by not realizing that, well, there are seven areas of life for all of us. And we all have different priorities. And if we're not paying attention to those seven areas of life, then that's when we go down one road. And I, I, had, a, I had a conversation with a friend of mine about three months ago and he lives in the US um, and I hadn't seen him, hadn't seen him in about a year. Uh, and so we're having a conversation and we're chatting and it's kind of a breakfast chat and he starts talking about, he's a very big job and he starts talking about his big job, which is very interesting or about 10 or minutes or so. And then he continues to talk about his job and his business. Now, 45 minutes later, we're <laughs> still the conversation and it's all he's talked about. Now, I don't have a problem with that. that that's just obsession. Is. 
but he also has uh, a family and he didn't, I, I'm not saying he doesn't love and care for his family, but, but what he was revealing is where his obsession is in his head. So he wasn't telling me all the things his wife was doing or his children, children were doing. It was all about, about his business. And just what struck me was that the whole conversation was about his business. And what he revealed to me was that if in the time we spent together, he spent 90% of his conversation discussing about business. Now, I know his wife and I know his family. So there, there was no reason for him not to have a conversation about, oh, this is what my wife is doing, this is what my children. It wasn't like we were just professional strangers. I've known them all a very long time. It just struck me that if his conversation is 90% business, then that he's revealing to me that his thought processes is 90% business. He is spending all of his time in his head, spilling around business. And I recognize that because that's what I was like many, many years ago. And I think that's a, even if you love your business, even if it's great, I still think that's unbalanced. So if we want to br briefly go down to seven areas of life, and then we can touch them a little bit more. So I would say, and you can challenge me in this if you wish, but I think these are important for everyone. And so I have them numbered order to seven, but that's not just, that's, you put them in whatever order priority you want. That's just how I, I, I wrote them down. And if you search these on the internet, you'll find different versions of it, but they all come back to very similar things. So for all of us, we need to take care of our, our physical health and wellness. We all have to do that. If our physical health fails, then we have, then we have absolutely nothing. It's funny our that- Our body's the vehicle, right? Our body's the vehicle. That's pretty much it. Like if your vehicle's broken down, you can't really do much. It's not complicated. And yet, and yet it seems that so much hard work seems to go into getting people to do two simple things, which is eat right food and move. Uh, it's yeah. not that complicated. It's a whole industry, but it seems to be extremely difficult to get people just to do those things. But it, should, it has to be a priority for all of us. The second area of life is our mental, emotional health and wellness. Again, your body can be in great shape, but if your head is messed up or you're suffering from emotional pain, depression, all of these things, whatever, if you're, I mean, because your life, the experience, the emotions you experience are your life, full yep. stop. It makes no difference what's going on around you. It's the emotions you experience are your life. So if your mental, emotional health is not in a good place, and it seems for a lot of people, it's not in a good place, but it's something you need, it's something you need to take care of. Paul, the, it's interesting too, real quick, the, the disconnect with our emotional selves is is a big indicate like that's a big reason why we're living in such a narcissistic world too because the narcissism happens from the disconnect in our emotional state and when we're out of touch with our emotions it's really hard to be fulfilled it's really hard to experience deep true joy like having a good relationship with our mental emotional state is so crucial so people i think it's i think it's important that you separated it from physical and then mental emotional because it really is a whole world that we have to tend to. I just wanted to say that because I think sometimes we undermine emotional health as a species and it's to our detriment. And I think if you don't understand your values, it's difficult to have good mental and emotional health. Mm, super so true. Yep. To, to, why I use the expression value mapping is when you understand these are the four or five things that are important to me, that's your happiness formula. What you're saying is, if I spend my whole day engaged in these four things or supporting these four things, I'm going to feel great. I'm going to have energy. I'm going to enjoy. I'm going to get up at 2 a.m. and I don't need for a course because I'm matching my needs. Most people, firstly, are not consciously aware of what's important to them. And therefore, they're living a life that's incongruent with that. So they're... they're they're unhappy and they're stressed and they're troubled because they're spending time engaged in stuff they don't want to do or they're overdoing it. I think the reason why people do that in business and, you know, a lot of our, our, our conversations predominantly geared towards entrepreneur is because when you're not aware of the importance of your values and all of these things, and you, you find something that works and business 
being successful in your career and in business is a drug. I mean, it's, mm. it's, it, 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 it can be a positive drug, but it's also a drug. And it's a drug you get acknowledgement from. So we meet and we haven't met each other in many years and I've got a better job than you. I'm going to feel good. And mm. it turns out I'm, I can afford a better suit than you. I'm going to feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. And my company's making more money than you. I feel better about myself. And when we went to the parking lot, I've got a bigger car than you. Ain't that nice? <laughs> and we compare incomes. I'm earning more than money than you. I got a bigger house than you. My wife's got a better car than you. I do bigger. I have bigger holidays. So that be, that becomes an an addiction, and it's it fills the it fills the emptiness inside. So people go, oh, that's a quick. So people pursue more and more and more and more and more of that, and they get completely completely sucked into it. Interestingly, people pursue that. People pursue that so much that they pursue it even in the detriment of their wealth. So people spend money on those, on those things. I remember years ago, a neighbor of my, a neighbor of mine had a, an Austin Martin. Are you familiar with Austin Martins? Oh yeah. Very nice yeah. cars. Okay. So he had, a, he had an Austin Martin and he had just put a swimming pool in his house and mm-hmm. driving home one evening, well, he lives across the way and driving home one evening, my eldest son said to me, wow, he must be so rich. And, and Austin Martin in the swim, but he actually so rich. And I said to him, son, you now know two things about him. You know he drives an Austin Martin, and you know he has a swim, but you know nothing else. Maybe it's not his Austin Martin. If it's true. It could be leased. It could be somebody it's else's. It's... Maybe, maybe, he, yeah, maybe there's someone waiting, waiting at his door because he hasn't paid for the Austin, the Austin, yes. the Austin Martin. You know, Maybe he's put the swimming pool in. He really can't afford, afford it, but he's put it in because what I said. You, you see those things, and you make the assumption you're really null, null nothing. But it shows you the danger of going down a road that that ultimately is not fulfilling. But you pursue this road, and a lot of entrepreneurs pursue this road. And I think that leads back to to the mental and emotional wellness. Because in the beginning, oh, I get richer, I get I get more successful. Oh, sorry, I look more successful. And I begin to feel good. You get the temporary hit. And in the temporary hit, I don't feel miserable anymore. I feel good. But what's going to happen is very, very quickly, that the dopamine rush sinks back down. And sooner or later, you find seven a hole. You go, it doesn't, I can become more successful, richer, richer, richer. Do it. And ultimately, it's not enough. And, and it, it always never, comes back to our baseline, Paul. That's the it point. It never right? will be enough. Exactly. It's, that's why it's called the hedonic treadmill, right? Like yes. it's a trap. You're just yes. consistently, yes. but what ends up happening is our baseline of existence resets to the new thing that we've acquired. Yes. So that initial hit goes away. And yes. then the more we do that, the more we're required for the bigger hits. Yes. So it's like, and that's why it becomes so destructive because it ultimately ends up undermining the other values that we really care about. Like you said, if wealth is your value, but you're out buying things that you can't afford, you're getting that hit initially, but you're actually undermining a crucial value of yours, which may be wealth. So it's when we're not aware of those things, we can consistently undermine our progress in the life that we want to be living. And I think that's the power of what you're, you're illuminating here. Yeah. And something I realized many years ago is wealth is number four of my values. If it were number one, I would be a much wealthier man. There's no doubt about it. Because I would have huge more focus, focus on it. But because but I bet your boys wouldn't be as great as they are, and I bet your wife wouldn't be as happy, and you wouldn't well, have the I, life that you I, have. I wouldn't have the life I have. I wouldn't have the relationship I have with my children. So what I've done is made myself wealthy enough to live the life I want to live, to, to spend time with my family, to travel, to do the things that I want to do. And at this point in time, I go, well, to make myself wealthier than that, what would I need to do? And will that take away from those other things? But I think most people are just stuck into this entrepreneurial journey where it's create more and more and more instead of go, well, what do I really want? And what am I creating it for? Which, by the way, if this is what you really want, go for it. Again, we're, you know, we're, we're not saying that business and wealth shouldn't be number one values. Maybe it is. It's not for me. Maybe it is for someone else. That's fine. Understand that. Number, th- n- number three is spiritual well-being. I'm good. Hands up, I'm not a religious person. I don't, I, I don't associate with any particular religion. Some people, when you say spiritual well-being, it's religion for them. Great. 
perfect. It, 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 and some people, it, it, it won't be. And I'm careful because I don't want to alienate people because of their beliefs or, what, or what's important to them. For me, spiritual well-being is purpose and connection. And some people feel purpose and connection because they're part of a church or they believe in God or whatever their religion is. And they have a, they have a connection with that. And they feel there's a purpose and meaning in their lives because of that. So I don't judge the religion because that doesn't, that's not important to me. If, if you have a practice, whatever it is, and you, and you feel it's nourishing you spiritually, excellent, 10 out of 10. Out of 10. Mm-hmm. For me, it's always been more exploring myself, meditation, et cetera. But that's just, that's just me. That, that's how I feel a spiritual connection. So when I say spiritual connection, I don't people cross it off the list because a lot of people go, I'm not religious. That's fine. I, I, didn't, I didn't say you need to be religious, but you need it. But we are spiritual beings in that we are, we are beings that need purpose and we are beings that need to feel there's a greater connection. I think that's in, in, inherent in how we are, whatever, whatever that is. Well, whether you're an atheist or a Christian or a Muslim or a Jew, whatever, I think it makes no difference. But purpose and connection is what's important. And it needs to be nourished. Family and friendship. I mean, that's just a given family and friendship is what's most important to me. Interestingly, studies have now proven that connection is the most important component of happiness. So family. Man is not an island. Man is not an island. No man, no man is an island. Number five, financial independence is wealth. Obviously I would have that there, but financial independence is wealth. I think it's important for everyone. As I've said to you, if if wealth was number one on my list, I'd be a much uh, richer man. But everyone needs some degree of financial independence and some degree of wealth because just to move them to that, the struggle. And studies have shown that once you've enough to put a roof over your head, heat your home, feed your, fa- feed your family, keep them safe. Once you have enough for that, you have, you're, you're very close to the top of the happiness of what wealth can bring you. A lot more money will bring some more comforts in your life, but it, it, won't, move the finan- it won't move the happiness style considerably. So when I say financial independence and wealth, I'm not for a moment suggesting everyone needs to go out and try and become a millionaire, but taking control of your finances so that you have the financial independence. And when I say financial independence, I mean not having to work. But in this case, financial independence, I would say, is the independence to know you can live the life you're living comfortably. You can pay your mortgage or your rent and you can look after your family and, you're, and you have some reserves so that you're not in financial pressure. And you could, so that degree of financial independence, I think, is, is an and essential. Paul, that, could, that could be, to your point too, not even a millionaire perspective, because like mm. looking at maybe it's owning a tiny home on a couple of acres in a very small area that's beautiful, but you have a farm so and you're self-sufficient. And you, and you, and you, you, that's independence and freedom as well. Right. Like, I think it's, it's, it's the, the vision of independence and sovereignty that you hold that you can create. It doesn't mean you have to be a millionaire to create is the point, right? That's the idea. You want to, you want to live in a home with your wife and your, and your daughter or whatever. So wealth to you might be, we live in a lovely home and I can comfortably provide for this. And if that's your situation. Be incredibly grateful for that. I think this comes back to values. It's really, really important that you're making that decision. You're not looking at someone else because let me exactly uh, let, let me tell you, I've done pretty well when I can look at a whole lot of people that make me look like I haven't even moved the dial <laughs> at all. Like a I, yeah, that's the way it is. So it depends where you're looking. So, but but I think we all need some degree of control. John D. Martini says something which I believe is very true. He says, any area of your life you don't control, somebody else controls. I mm. always reared my children doing on that belief. So you need you you may not want to be a millionaire, but you want to be in control of your finances. Because if you're not someone else's, it'll be a banker, an employer. You know my favorite word around this, real quick. Sovereignty. You want to yes. hold your sovereignty. You're yes. if you're if you have sovereignty in your life, which could mean owning a little farm and you have Whatever. your own land. It's but the key is is that control, that freedom, right? That sovereignty. But moving into career is the next one you're gonna you were gonna point to. Career career, you know, a lot of people, especially in social media, in the space we're in, they talk about retirement. And I always have the same comment when somebody talks about retirement. And I go, create the life you want and you'll never speak of retirement again. Yep. Because 
I mean, I, I was up early this morning, spent an hour on the bike, had a shower or whatever. And then apart from some lunch, I have spent my time at my desk until, until we, until, until we chatted. Now, financially, I have no need to do that. I could have gone and spent the morning in the sun or gone for a walk in the woods. I, I've nowhere to be. So I have the freedom to do that. But when we talk about career, so career doesn't mean that I have to have, have to have a job, but it means what's your contribution to society. And so I'm doing work that I want to do. That's important to me. I have the financial independence piece largely sorted. So that's not my incentive. It's not my motivation. So you can move through that. You can even be in retirement, but you still need a career. You still need to be doing some. So that's why in career I go, what's your contr- What's your contribution? I talk, I teach, I whatever. I do. It doesn't matter. But what's contribution? Because we need that contribution. And the last one is, is, is social responsibility. And that social responsibility is that how do we engage in our community? And similar to career, how are we contributing and engaging with the community? We're, we're in. I go hands up. I'm not an incredibly social person. I'm not an incredible person for engaging in community activities. My wife over the years has done some wonderful charity work. And that's something she's not doing it right now, but it's something she has done and has been very, very good at. So we all, it's, but it's not something I, I, socially, it's something I'm aware of. Maybe it's something I could do, I, I, I could do more of. But either way, so what I'm saying is when you look at all these, these seven areas is not that you have to max out in all areas of these, but you realize you have to have some touch in those, it, I would say in all areas of those to live a balanced life, ideally, and we'll talk about it again, ideally you need to create a vision for all areas of your life. So I think a great starting place uh, as we kind of bring this towards an end is Understanding what really matters to you. That's the fundamental of values. I think we will do a podcast where we maybe dig exclusively into that. Understanding what really matters to you and understanding that life, a balanced life, has these seven areas in it to some degree. Prioritize them according to your values. But it's a, a, I would suggest it's something I did many years ago was sat down and create a vision for all areas of my life. And when you have the, when you understand your values and you have the vision for all areas of your life, you can be, make sure that you're directing your life as is right, as is right for you. And Paul, from your perspective, this really is a planning state. Like this is kind of the planning step in a lot of ways. When you're thinking about the redirect is really reorienting your life towards the light that you want. So you're really kind of pulling back thinking about values, thinking about these seven areas of, because the seven pieces that we just talked about are basically the fundamentals to human existence. Are they not like you need? I think so. Yeah. Right. I, I would agree with that. If, if, if listeners are tuning in and you disagree with us or you feel like you missed something, you missed something please let us know. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think regardless, when you're looking at redirecting your life out of a burnout stage into something that's more ideal, pulling from these pieces will give you that framework that you can do. And then we will have an episode where we go deeper into mm-hmm. these values. Like, how do you actually discover your own values? That's really important. Yeah. yeah super important. When someone's on a redirect, what we're saying is when you're setting a new direction, make sure it's in the direction of something you highly value. If you've been burnt out in a business environment or, or a career environment or anything, it's going to have been on your values what you've probably done is you've done it exclusively to other, to all the other areas of your values. And I think something you've raised before is in, in, in earlier episodes is that when you're burning out when, and along the road to that stage, your being, your, your mind, your body, your soul, whatever, is continually screaming and shouting at you, Brandon, you're on the wrong freaking road, but you're yeah. not listening. And because you're not listening, you get to burn out. You had, hopefully you don't reach burnout, but then you become aware of that and out of the decompression is first the acknowledgement I was on the wrong road. And this part is, you said planning, I think planning is maybe stage two, Mm. reconnecting first. It's reconnecting. Ah. What really matters to me? What's really important? Now I know it's important. Balance requires that I look at these seven areas of life 
Now I will plan how I move forward. Now I'll create a vision for my life. But I understand the fundamentals. Uh, So it's real. This is really pulling back super high level and getting the pieces together. At least you're putting the pieces on the table, like making sure that I've got the right pieces in place to build the thing that I want to build. Because to your point, Paul, planning is when you actually go into action and now you're putting together to start taking steps. But if you if you're if you're pulling back and you're looking at your life and we can envision your life as a bunch of puzzle pieces on the table. If you have the wrong puzzle pieces on the table, though, you're going to build something that you don't want. That's why it's important to get the right pieces on the table first, and then you can start to look at how do we organize them? How do we take the steps, right? That, that's kind of the way we're thinking about it. Look, it, 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 if, you, if, you've, if you've the wrong recipe, if you have the wrong ingredients, you're not, make, you're not making the cake. Exactly. exactly. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter what you have. And, and, and in, the, in the next episode, we're going to talk about getting back into control i mean we're mm. going to talk about getting back into the driving seat and we talk about things like getting control of your diary uh, and understanding your values and beginning to design what does my ideal day look like so we're now getting back into the driving seat but hopefully a new person has stepped into the driving seat you've left some old stuff behind because otherwise because you know if we don't have a different driver we're just going in the same place so we need a new destination but we need the driver to have upgraded as well. Well, and I know we may be driving our viewers or listeners a little nuts with this because, but we're not though. It's the importance of, it's so important to do this work prior to jumping in the driver's seat. Cause if not, someone else is like putting their hands over your hands and taking you potentially somewhere where you don't want to go. That's why this work is so important. So I know it's like, I want to get to control now. I want to get to control now. But we have to do all this introspective, value-driven work first. That's why it starts. Step one in burnout is awareness. Recognizing the stage of burnout is the beginning. And then you move from there. But And we I, have to continue doing it, by the way. We have to continue. If someone is listening to this podcast in 20 episodes time, we will still be addressing these issues because exactly. it's learning. It's an, ex, an exploration. We will. We, we, will never, we will never stop exploring them. That's just because they have to be energy explored. It's a journey. It, it is a journey. And, and I think that's the thing is there's tons of content out there that has, you know, how to do this, how to do that, step by step by step. It's, Which is it's a lot of nuance. Exactly. That's, and there's plenty of that. But what we're yeah. talking about is exploring the nuance of self yeah. and like how that relates to success and business and entrepreneurship. Who's doing the doing? Who am exactly. I? Exactly. You know, who am I that's stepping into the driving seat? The same guy steps into the driving seat, you're going to end up back in the same place. If someone different steps into the driving seat, a new version of you, a new version that's very clear in who they are and what the values are and what's important, now you're going to end up, and that's the redirect. Now you, you've turned the dial very slightly, but you're going to end up somewhere completely different. Yeah. And so we have to get that right. We have to get that right. That's Paul, you just said it though. It that's the being of the doing. You gotta get the being first before yes. you do. If you want to live a life that's truly yours. Yeah, I I you know, we discussed this before. When people have asked me to do business mentorship, I go, no, boring. I'm not interested in doing it. Because I, I love business, but I'm not interested in getting into your marketing department, your personal issues, your boring I've spent my life to that. I don't want to do that. What I'm excited about is who are you that's doing it? Who's the person walking in? So if you want to talk to me about who the person is, how do I become the person that can run my business better, create a life of want? that excites me. If you want to talk to me about the breakdown of how I do that, there are other podcasts, there are speakers, there's books. Go and do that. They're probably doing it better than we are, so leave them to it. But we're mm-hmm. talking about how do you become the person who can make that work? Because I think that's because we're very self-centered and that's what excites us. That is it. We just love to talk about who we, we are. To talk about today, just obsessing over it. That's exactly. I love it. That's so great, excellent. Paul. Well, I think that's a that's an excellent stopping point there for today's show. Next week we're going to get into control and diving into step four of of addressing the burnout and what happens when we're in burnout. This was a really fun episode for me because I love the discussion around values. It also, I'm, I'm excited about the values episode because I, you know, I really, it's causing me to reflect. We've talked, and we're going to talk about this more, Paul, but I'm sure that our listeners have those moments in their life where they can think about times 
where they were prioritizing one value over the rest of their other values and it created problems. I know I certainly can. So that's why it's this work is so meaningful related to that and and getting out of the stage. So great stuff. I really appreciate your perspective and insight on that side. Thank you for listening. Yeah, of course. We appreciate the the listeners as well, the audio, the viewers and listeners. So yeah. next week we're going to be diving into control. We certainly appreciate your ears and your time and your intention. Absolutely. It's not under underestimated. So with that being said, we'll go ahead and wrap the episode. Until till next week, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Inner Entrepreneur. If you found value in our content, please consider liking, sharing, and subscribing. New episodes will be released every Thursday at five a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We appreciate your attention and take care.